And how are we doing at the one o'clock hour here in the Carolinas? It's the Pete Calendar Show, and this is Brad Slager filling in. And uh, we are taking the seat as Pete is on vacation here. So uh, I'm filling in. And if you're unfamiliar with me, I'm a columnist over at townhall.com, as well as a writer and podcaster over at Red State, where I have my media focused podcast that is called liable sources where i cover the press and the uh, various shenanigans taking place in the media and uh, speaking of red state i wanted to bring on today the managing editor of that site jennifer okay then jen van lar will be with us soon because i wanted to talk about some of the activities taking place in california that's where she's situated there's a number of issues of course no shortage of which are in california but a couple of these usually manage to find their way into the national spotlight one of the problems that they have out there they can't seem to let go of the pandemic restrictions they just can't seem to move on they love masking ordinances they love the separation the shutdowns they're one of the last states to open things up i recall it was uh during january i think of 2021 we had a political conference down in miami beach or in my area and people came in from out of state and they were just amazed that we were able to go into stores into restaurants we could co-mingle with people we still had masking and a few other uh instances but you know we were just like you know welcome welcome to america you know we, we tend to have freedom here well they don't want to open things up completely in California. This is all centering on an LA County bureaucrat by the name of Barbara Ferrer. She's the public health director in Los Angeles County and is pushing to actually get masking replaced in schools and in other The problem with this is it's not based on any science. This is all political, and they uh, really just can't let go. <laughs> they, they just uh, they want to keep this lockdown. And the problem is that Ferrer is basing this not on medical evidence, but on something that's of a political nature, really, that they had some sort of studies that they came in that they could reference with a conflict of interest in fact caitlin barnes was the one behind it and what she put out was uh just you know another insistence that masking worked masking was successful and it should be put into place again still here was the problem uh caitlin barnes as I said, not a doctor. <laughs> so what are they basing this on? Uh, well, this is the problem. That she's the daughter of Barbara Ferrer. So that'd be a, considered a conflict of interest in most cases. In fact, in this case. And this was really never disclosed. So figure this out, that they have a non-medical individual putting out a study 
that is not not based on any science but they're just insisting that masks work and they're saying that the we should keep the mask in place based on just power i guess well at red state we've exposed this that the uh, los angeles county office of education had actually hired barnes on late in 2020 and she was supposed to be, I guess, a temporary project manager in public relations communications department. Temporary, meaning she's still there. And the interesting aspect of this is that Barbara Ferrer claims to have been unaware of her daughter's connection to this study somehow. <laughs> this is just as convoluted as it could possibly get. And the more questions that are asked of Barbara Ferrer, the fewer answers that are provided. It's, uh, it's really a case that they want items in place for some reason. And it doesn't re really make any sense. And the more that they press her for why, what's behind this, where's this coming from, the fewer they get as far as answers and as far as explanations go. And then when it comes to the study itself, that Barnes really doesn't have anything to substantiate it. She doesn't have any prior experience conducting public health research. She doesn't have even training in medical fields. That's the amazing aspect of this. So we have a government agency a government office in Los Angeles County making decisions on the public that isn't based on anything substantive as far as science or medical evidence. So the curiosity here is why, outside of power. The, uh, the politicians seem to go along with this too, though. They just, they seem to think that, well, okay, we're going to mask. We, we need to put this onto the public. And it doesn't really measure up. We're not getting an explanation as to why. But it's because of this type of entrenched institutional governance. It, this is what spreads across the country for what, whatever reason. That unsuccessful policies in California tend to just bleed out into the nation. despite the fact that they don't work, despite the fact that the public doesn't want them. And it's just baffling why outside of power this continues to spread. Really what they're trying to do, I think, is show the rest of the country the ability to stay entrenched. This way they can govern over the people. They can continue to expand on this. And we've exposed this over at Red State, that these this study that has come out from a non-trained, non-medical individual can have an influence on public health policy. Caitlin Barnes is trained in urban planning and community organizing. That's her expertise as far as masking people. And 
this probably underscores everything that she's basically been trained for this for community organizing for community control is another way of looking at it so you've got an individual who's predisposed to governance over the people guiding her mother who's in a position of power to do something with it so her mother can reference her report without disclosing this and that is exactly how an entrenched government entity can maintain power over the people without the people's approval Okay, welcome back to WBT with the Pete Callender Show. This is Brad Slager filling in for Pete. And we were just discussing some of the uh, mayhem taking place in Southern California regarding mass ordinances. And to give us even more of the details on this disturbing trend, we've got managing editor from Red State, Jennifer Van Lar. How's everything going, Jennifer? It's just a crazy Friday morning out here, just like normal in California. Well, you know, you're speaking to a Florida man, so you do not have the market <laughs> right. cornered on crazy. So just uh, calm no, down we just a little bit. Well, we were, um, I was going over your story because you basically have broken this locally. And that is the uh, issue with Barbara Ferrer, the LA County expert of sorts, who is really trying to force some mask ordinances based on spurious science. So go ahead and give us some of the details that you've uncovered and what's been taking place. Well, I've actually broken it nationally. Um, I'm the only person who brought this out, the first person that brought this out. Um, And it actually applies to everyone across the country. So even though people in Charlotte, and I love North Carolina, I lived there for 20 years, they're thinking, oh, this is crazy California people. We're not going to fall for that. Well, here's how Barbara Ferrer is affecting even you. So she had her daughter co-author a study, her daughter who works for the L.A. County Office of Education, probably because her mother got her the job, worked with some of the public health people to author a one-page study that allegedly showed that these procedures that Freyer did during the first year of the pandemic within schools, which students weren't even there half the time, that they worked, that the masking worked, that the social distancing worked. And so this study comes out purportedly showing that. And this is August of last year. The very same day, Rochelle Walensky in the White House briefing on COVID says, oh, we have some data now, more data, because it's all about the data and the science, that these things are effective and it's out of L.A. County. And so this is what we're recommending nationwide from the CDC as procedures and protocols that every school should follow in the country. Now, we know in in great places, like a lot of parts of North Carolina and other states didn't follow the CDC recommendation, actually allowed their children to have freedom, but a lot of states didn't. And it was based on this faulty one-page paper that no one disclosed their conflict of interest. And, And even if you look at it, say that they had, it's still a crappy study. It's still not very scientific in how it's set up or its conclusions. So that's the the, num- the thumbnail of how this affects everybody and what I uncovered. Yeah, that's kind of what I was touching on in my introductory piece is that, you know, these California standards are getting adapted and adopted nationwide. And this one, like I said, isn't even based on medical 
information, the individual who wrote it's not a medical technician. But I can contrast that with what took place. You mentioned other states. Here in Florida, Ron DeSantis opened schools up in the fall of 2020, you know, with masking and distancing and such. But we were bringing the kids back. And this is where the distinction comes into play. Months after the schools were opened in Florida, they performed studies and came to find out that infection rates inside the schools were uniformly lower than the surrounding community the school was located in, which completely contradicts all the insistence on masking and such. So my question to you, Jen, is what would be the motivation behind this sort of contrived study? Well, I mean, they actually found in this study, too, that the infection rate within the schools was lower than within the community. But most of the time they were studying, there were very few kids in the schools. So, of course, you know, you have further apart, you know, kids maybe 10 feet apart and stuff. You're probably not going to have as much spread. But that was their only uh, variable that they looked at. You can't just look at one variable and, and conclude that. So, but from that, she concluded that it was the masks and the, and the distancing that caused this lower infection rate, which is just silly. Um, but the financial, it's, it's a financial incentive because, first of all, the daughter lives at her parents' house. Uh, and, of course, Frere wants to see that her things that she championed are effective. She wants to keep her job. Well, I suppose that if you're looking at job security, then, yeah, we need to have a problem so that you keep me in place to fix it. it <laughs> It seems well, to be it also, the case. Yeah, it, it also the just political oddly thing. exactly aligned with what the teachers union was asking for, almost to the word, as far as what they wanted to be able to go back into the classrooms. Because in L.A., we were basically held hostage by the UTLA, the teachers union. And they were saying, well, we're not going to go back in the classroom because we don't feel safe. And there, I had a whole lot of responses to that that probably aren't very fun to put on radio or maybe not appropriate, but yeah, let's not get the FCC they, involved. Right? They gave their list of demands basically. And then isn't it funny that this study just basically comes out and says, Oh, these exact things that UTLA wants, that's what we found to be effective. Yeah. We, uh, we actually saw this too with the uh, teachers union rep Weingarten on a national level where she was effective. Mm -hmm dictating the CDC standard across the country, which was outlandish in and of itself. All right. So, Jen, after your reports, because uh, you've been doing a number of these. In fact, you were out there in Tampa with us and we barely saw you because you were so busy working on this story. <laughs> what has right. been the um, what's been the aftermath here? Like, what is Barbara Ferrer saying this day and with all this exposure that you've given? Well, first, the thank goodness we do have some good local press. Our local Fox affiliate had me on the day that I broke this story. And so within the next few days, Ferrer was getting hammered left and right on this conflict of interest. And she was claiming it wasn't a conflict, that she wasn't on the study, so she didn't need to disclose anything, which is kind of throwing her daughter under the bus. And <laughs> as a result of this, some of the county commissioners, and this is what I want people to see, is that it's not all just people that are idiots in California, that there's some of us fighting back and we're actually starting to win because we thought it's a foregone conclusion. We're just stuck with Ferrer forever because she serves at the pleasure of the board of directors or the board of supervisors. She's got three solid votes. So the two that were not solid votes came out hammering her. 
And then one that we thought was a complete yes vote for Ferrer, Hilda Solis, who was uh, Secretary of Labor under Obama, she starts coming out saying, you know, I don't think we need these mask mandates. Cases are going down because they were going to reimplement these mask mandates indoors last week for entire L.A. County. And then Solis came out saying, eh, I don't think we need them. And then, as I had predicted here on local radio, Ferrer found a way to say that the numbers changed and therefore we can just hold off on this at this time. <laughs> so she's really beginning a lot of blowback. She's had two former supervisors who have only been retired about four years that were around when she was hired say, you know, if I was still on the board of supervisors, I'd be calling her on the carpet and firing her if she didn't resign. So the public opinion is completely turning against her. That, well, that's awesome. That's uh, that's good to see that the exposure is actually leading to some activity. Uh, Jen, I'd appreciate it. If you can hang on for the next segment, that would be amazing. And we are going to be back. Welcome back to the Pete Kaliner Show. I'm Brad Slager filling in for Pete while he's on vacation. And just a quick reminder, you can pick up all the shows and listen at your convenience at any of them streaming at WBT.com. And if you want to keep tabs on all that's taking place, social media, you can hit it up at WBT Radio. All right, we have on the line with us managing editor from Red State, Jennifer Van Lahr. And... We've been talking a little bit about some of the mask ordinances in the L.A. area, and I preface this by saying a lot of what takes place in California bleeds out into the national spectrum and affects us on a national level. And Jennifer, you've got right there in your backyard one of the more, I guess, pernicious actions when you've got a district attorney who is really more than progressive. Would that be an accurate description? Yes, it would be. This is uh, Gascon, and he is, you know, a lot of people think that the George Soros name is this big impending boogeyman over things. And yet your district attorney worked hand in hand with George Soros in order to implement a number of these similar district attorneys across the country to push a very hyper progressive agenda. Right. And I actually found a video. I wrote this story back in December of 2020, right after Gascon was sworn in as, as Los Angeles County DA. I found a video of him appearing at USC with Jody Armour, who's a very, very radical law professor who basically wants all prosecutors to act like defense attorneys. And, and they're big in the decarceration movement. So just basically having no jail. So this is in January of 2020, he had this conversation, and in the video, he flat out says, hey, you know, I he was an LAPD officer, Gascon was, and he got mad when he was passed over for chief a couple of times. So he left L.A., went to Maricopa County, Arizona. He and the sheriff there did not get along, <laughs> Joe Arpaio. <laughs> and so uh -huh. Gavin Newsom recruited him to come to San Francisco, just as the police chief at that point. Then Kamala gets elected. Kamala was the DA then. She gets elected attorney general and uh, Newsom appoints Gaston as district attorney. So now he's got this power. So 
he around 2011 he sat down with a friend at harvard of course all these bad ideas come out of the ivy leagues and said you know we want progressive prosecutors and he says we literally started looking at a map of the u.s and we were trying to identify strategically what are the urban centers where anyone could be considered a, a progressive prosecutor and so they had a few people that were were trying to get elected but they couldn't really find what they wanted so what they did was create a movement and he says, uh, Gascon says, that actually led to the Open Society's foundation, George Soros's foundation, putting almost $50 million in 2014 through the ACLU to begin the movement. Amazing, amazing. And this is leading to what we're seeing today, where we have criminals spending no time in jail for hard crime being released pretty much whenever I mean, we just saw this, uh, what is it, a week or two ago with Lee Zeldin nearly attacked while giving a political speech. And Lee Zeldin mm -hmm. said, watch, this individual is probably going to get released immediately, despite this. And within hours, the guy that tried to attack him was on the street without bail. This is the kind of enforcement or lack of enforcement that they're pushing. <laughs> right. How many... About how many across the country, do we have a, a grasp on how many of these Soros-planted DAs we're looking at? Uh, dozens, at least. Uh, they have, of course, all of these things that they do. They create these think tanks that create studies that give them data. It's the data that they want so that when they go out and campaign, they can say, oh, you know, this this group research this and this is why it's data driven and so there's a group called fair and just prosecution promoting justice through leadership and innovation and that's the soros funded think tank on this and they highlight from north carolina they highlight satana DeBerry, who's the da in durham county and she's highlighted as one of their success stories i believe there's a couple more in north carolina but <clears throat> i ha don't have my uh those names on the tip of my tongue, but for the listeners that probably don't know who I am, I worked for almost 20 years as a court reporter in North Carolina, worked for the state of North Carolina, traveling across the, the state doing murder cases. So I was the court reporter in the courtroom for more than three dozen murder cases throughout the state and worked in Durham County quite a bit. And the last thing that they need is more criminals on the streets there. But that's what this uh, movement is getting done. Yeah, we just saw yesterday a reaction to this take place here in Florida, where uh, Ron DeSantis actually ruffled quite a few feathers on the left when he seemingly arbitrarily went ahead and suspended one of the state attorneys here in Florida, 13th Circuit. Andrew Warren is the guy's name. And you know, if you look at the press, they're saying, oh, this is outlandish. This is overreach. Andrew Warren put out a letter where he pledged to not prosecute anything involving the abortion laws that have been passed recently, as well as one of the issues that have come up where DeSantis has said he doesn't want very young kids going through medical procedures for trans operations, you know, mastectomies for 10-year-olds and things of this nature because they consider right. themselves trans. Andrew Warren had come out and put it on paper. I am not going to prosecute these laws. So DeSantis is like, well, you're not doing your job then. Bye. And I mean, exactly. just that, that's the way this has to be met. And Warren is another one 
of these Soros-backed individuals. And it's going to have to take this kind of leadership to ferret this out, it looks like. Yeah, and you know, and it's not necessarily limited to uh, Democrats. I had a terrible experience right before our primary here in California where I was given some information about uh, one DA candidate up in the Central Valley, up in Fresno, uh, to try people wanted to get this information. And it was bad information out. But then when I looked at who the incumbent is, and it was a Republican, um, I looked up and she's actually featured on that fair and just prosecution site. And getting money from Soros. <laughs> and I'm thinking, um, wow. I don't care if she's a Republican or a Democrat. How did this even happen? I'm not going to do anything to promote her getting reelected. This is insane. And they have, even though Fresno Central Valley farming generally more conservative, which is probably how this woman got elected, that doesn't mean you're immune from having this encroach in. Yeah, and this is, you know, it's the kind of thing where, most people don't necessarily pay attention to district attorney elections. You know, it's not it, it's not the sexy kind of thing that comes up on ballots and things of this nature. And this is where I think well, a lot of be. our kind of yeah, it definitely should be as we're finding out. But this is where our kind of reporting really comes into play, that we can shine a light on this sort of thing. And it's uh, it's great to see. And like I said, you know, your state kind of affects us all. But uh your kind of fighting is what we need out there. You know, th this kind of illumination is deeply important. All right, I want to thank, want to thank you, Jen, for uh, coming on and illustrating this stuff for us. And welcome back to the final segment here this hour on the Pete Callender Show. This is Brad Slager filling in for Pete. And you just got uh, through listening to me speaking with uh, managing editor of Red State, Jennifer Venlar, out in California. And to keep on the theme of California and possible influences on the nation, California Governor Gavin Newsom has been... How do I put this gently? How the heck would it? We don't need gentle. He's been desperate, I'll say. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we saw Gavin making a visit to the White House, and quite a few people noticed a peculiarity about that. It uh, was seemingly apparent that he was uh, sizing the place up. You know, People were looking for a measuring tape out of his back pocket, whether or not he was getting ready to uh, possibly team up with Kamala Harris as a replacement ticket for Joe Biden. This was the comment being made. And Gavin followed this visit up in kind of curious fashion. A couple of weeks ago, Gavin Newsom ran commercials that seemed to be almost like campaign ads, except it didn't run in California he placed these ads here in Florida to run a, during a Fox News on some local commercial spots. And what Newsom was attempting to do was say that California is the state of freedom and that residents of Florida would be <laughs> possibly interested in moving to California. The freedom, liberty, 
mecca that is California. I'm sorry, Gavin, but I and quite a few other people are going to have a hard time with this. Uh, as you just heard with Jennifer when she was on with me, this is a state that is rather interested in clamping down on liberty and freedoms. You know, it goes beyond just masking. Uh, Newsom, throughout the pandemic, was more than willing to clamp down on businesses. I mean, we saw numerous times, numerous examples of private businesses struggling to keep doors open. Bars that dared defy state ordinances were being barred and even fenced to keep them from opening. There, there was one glaring example of a restaurant where they were just desperate to stay open. So they set tents up in a parking lot with outdoor seating and benches in order to just keep some business going. They were being shut down on that. They were being prevented from doing so. And the business owner took her camera and turned it and just 50 feet away were massive tents set up for a Hollywood production. That was the dining tents for the film production. They were allowed to operate, but the business owner was not within the same parking lot. I mean, this is how ridiculous things have gotten in California. And for Gavin Newsom to come out and declare that he is the freedom-loving governor was more than comical. Uh, to do so in Florida... <laughs> was downright amusing. Uh, I'm watching here as, as my governor, Ron DeSantis, is called a fascist because he is granting us here in the state more freedom. You know, when he said months ago that he was going to peel back the mask mandate in schools, that was called fascist. You know, if you want to wear a mask, you're still free to do so. But if you don't want to wear one, you're also free to do so. That's not fascism. That's quite the opposite. It's also why people look at the Gazden flag saying, don't tread on me as a threat. Because the ones considering it a threat are in the government. Well, here's Newsom trying to pretend he's a freedom lover. He repeated this ad, by the way, in Texas of all places. Now, I don't know if it was a, a commercial spot or if he was doing print ads or such, but it was the same type of effort. Hey, come to California. We're more free than you are in Texas. Mm-hmm. Sure, Gavin. Well, there's a new effort being made by Mr. Newsom. I just reported on this yesterday, in fact, that Red State, where he is now going to the legislature of California to encourage a, um, a greater outlay of state funding in order to lure back movie and television productions from other areas. You know, this has been an ongoing problem in California, Hollywood in particular. For decades now, more and more productions are leaving the area. They they go to Vancouver, Canada, for instance, which is called Hollywood North. Many productions now are taking place in Georgia. They have built up so much now there that they have huge sound stages where Marvel movies can play. Here's Gavin Newsom, Democrat, proposing tax cuts for business, i.e. corporate welfare.
I thought this was something that, that Democrats demonized. I thought that they were against this sort of thing. Yet he wants to give multinational corporations that own massive movie studios tax breaks for work. <laughs>